one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. We have more new customers uh, in Q1 and Q2 than at any point in our recent history. You have to go back more than three years to have the same amount of new customers. Very honestly speaking, I think when the New Guards group announcement was made, it wasn't received well. It's not particularly in line with the model that you first sold to the market. I think that the first thing to realize is what is NGG? They're a platform. So for us, it's, it's really buying the studio and then creating original content to the benefit of the creative community and, and to the benefit of consumers as well. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF Podcast. On this episode, I sit down with Jose Nevis, the CEO and founder of Farfetch, one of the rare fashion companies that has managed to grow during the coronavirus crisis. But Farfetch isn't without its critics, some of whom say that Farfetch is one of the companies that has driven the industry's growing addiction to discounting. And observers were also puzzled by its recent acquisition of the New Guards Group, I talk with Jose about all of this and how Farfetch is going to seize the opportunity in a luxury e-commerce market that continues to grow rapidly. Here's Jose Nevis, Inside Fashion. Today, I am thrilled to have Jose Nevis with us, uh, the CEO and founder 
a far fetch. And uh, Jose um, and I go way back because we met when we were both starting our businesses. So um, it's been really amazing to see Farfetch change, grow and develop over the years. And I have a lot of questions for Jose today. And I know a lot of you have questions as well. So hopefully we'll get to some of those questions towards the end of the call. But I just wanted to start by welcoming you, Jose. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. It's been a little while since we last spoke. Yeah, exactly. It's been, I don't know, maybe way pre-lockdown. Um, I mean, first of all, Jose, I just wanted to check, like, so have you been in London throughout the lockdown period? How have you been spending your time? Yeah, I'm, I'm in London. Um, uh, it's um, the usual, um, lots of work. And I think we're, we're doing what everyone else is doing, working from home and, um, and uh, you know, facing um, all the changes and the challenges that the, the times uh, are bringing all of us, but um, the team um, is incredible, and uh, we've been able to uh, keep it all keep it all going. So thank you. Yeah, um, and I mean, as you said, it's been a really rocky period for you know pretty much everybody, and you know our industry in particular has been hit pretty hard. And over the past years, you know, Farfetch as well has gone through so many ups and downs. So there's a lot to cover. Um, but just first of all, I thought, you know, it would be good to start by just getting a general business performance update from you. I know you've recently released some um, new quarterly figures. Just give us a sense of as a business, how Farfetch uh, has been performing in this in this complicated situation sure um, it's it's been uh, a learning a constant learning because actually um, it all started in in January for us January and February we, we have a very large uh, business in China in Japan uh, Korea as well um, and so we were quite alert um, since the very early days and um, also managing our teams in, in China um, and Japan through uh, the early days of the crisis. And, and then as the crisis uh, started spreading uh, with the lockdown in Italy uh, and um, at the end of February, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was 27th, was very end of February. Um, and, then, and then obviously the rest of Europe and the US um, it, it's it's been uh, an incredible learning for us, and, um, uh, and you know we've we've fared, uh, I'd say, very very well, and we've been able to support uh, the boutiques, the brands that are on the platform at the, at the crucial time where online is uh, for many the main channel, and and for for some for a period was the only channel, and uh, and the focus has been on maintaining operational capabilities. Um, and continuing to execute on our mission, which is um, to be the, the platform for the global fashion industry. So um, the performance has been very solid. It, it, uh, it actually accelerated in, in Q2 versus Q1. We ended Q1 uh, with almost 20% uh, growth uh, on a like-for-like -like basis um, on the digital platform. Uh, the, this um, is actually accelerating um, in Q2 to 20, accelerated in Q2 to 25 to 30 percent, 
that's the range we've uh, we've given the, the markets um and we're very very pleased it's it's been um a challenge to um obviously keep operations and um uh, we thanks to our distributed logistics model where we're picking we don't have a centralized warehouse or two or three or five um, we have thousands of uh, inventory points in 50 different countries uh, and that has allowed us uh, to maintain a, a fantastic customer service in, in fact with um, almost no change to the to the service levels um, and in turn has uh, helped us um, help the community uh, keeping boutiques going keeping brands going uh, brands that have multinational operations um, if they were for some reason um, shut down in some countries uh, we were able to uh, keep shipping orders from other uh, stock points so the algorithm uh, was automatically switching on and off the, the SKUs that were available not available and even at SKU level 85 percent of our products have more than one seller uh, which which means that from a consumer perspective uh, th th there was no interruption really in terms of, of the service or the range and that uh, that I think reflects in the in the very very strong performance which we're um, obviously I uh, am very uh, thankful to my team for for what has been an Herculean like amazing amazing relentless work um and very happy that we continue to be able to support the the fashion community through this uh, crisis yeah i mean in a way the fact that your inventory as you say is distributed across a lot of different um you know hundreds of different places it really distributes your risk so when one region shuts down um other parts of the world are still open i mean what's been the most challenging part of this period jose because clearly the business is continuing to perform well but there's been a lot of challenges for everybody in some form or another what what's been the biggest challenge i think that the, our first priority from day one was the health the well-being the safety of uh, of the fire fetches um the the community the boutiques the brands the customers um a lot um of effort and has been put on on that front um, most of us can productively work from home at Farfetch. We're, we're an online company, uh, but we do have um, frontline workers uh, in our photo studios, for example, um, uh, and also some of the warehouses. So we have fulfillment by Farfetch, which has six global warehouses where sellers can consign the, the merchandise and we can ship from there. They're not owned uh, by us. They're operated by third parties, but we absolutely wanted to make sure that they were following, following and exceeding uh, all government guidance, which we, we were able to. And as a result, even those haven't stopped operations. So I think the operations, uh, for example, customer service shifting from, you know, we, we don't outsource customer service. We do. We, it's very important that if a customer calls about a Valentino dress, the, the person answering the phone knows who Valentino is, right? And, and so we, we never outsource. Uh, uh, those crucial parts of the customer experience, uh, but the systems and the tools and, and security and POS compliance, um, et cetera, et cetera, they were all set up for um, in-office um, working. So we had to very, very quickly switch. We started with China, we switched to, to WeChat, uh, which, which is um, great for the consumer. 
and we were able to do it at an enterprise level with all levels of PCI compliance, etc. And the same, the same then followed in the in the West. So I think operational, uh, the operational complexity of the business uh, required an incredible effort from from our teams. We we're we're operating at the global level, 190 countries that we service from 50 countries. Uh, so keeping uh, all of that going was the biggest challenge. Uh, the model is um, we have found out. Um, resilient to, to, to this crisis. We, uh, on the demand side, um, because we are a global business, we were able to shift um, the focus uh, to markets where sentiment was recovering. Uh, that started with China, who started China, Japan and Korea, who started uh, recovering first. Um, during Q2, we saw phenomenal performance in the, in the Middle East and Europe. Uh, the US is, as we all know, a little bit behind but we're also confident. So, uh, so from the supply side, it was really operations and logistics and making sure we were supporting the 300 um, partners that at some point were offline and how could we get them online safely as fast as possible. And also from a morale point of view, you know, how could we help them keep the morale up and, and, and giving them all the data and all the information they, they needed to get ready as soon as they open to uh, to service again our customers, uh, over 2 million customers that we have on the platform. So on the demand side, it, it's a very, very flexible model because um, we, we're able to uh, go after demand wherever demand is. Even in terms of marketing budgets, uh, we're able to very, very quickly in real time um, shift that demand offer. And, and that has uh, proven to be crucial during the crisis. And um, obviously what we're seeing is, is huge engagement uh, with the platform, to give you an idea, traffic is up 60% year on year. Um, app downloads are more than 100%, more than double uh, in Q2 versus Q2 last year. So extremely, extremely strong performance from an engagement level. And that is also translated to sales with around 25% to 30% growth um, in this last quarter. So um, again, um, you know, this is not over and uh, we need to keep, you know, being very, very alert and very agile. Uh, but the focus continues to be supporting uh, boutiques, brands, especially the small ones. We've uh, launched a campaign called Hashtag uh, Support Boutiques, where we brought boutiques to the forefront of our editorial, our social, uh, social media presence, um, and really, you know, told their stories uh, throughout this very, very hard period and drove more sales in terms of the sales mix uh, to them um, as a priority. And, and we, I know that if I'm supporting small boutiques, I'm supporting small brands uh, because small brands, they are practically, you know, 100% wholesale uh, with very few directly operated stores. And they are relying today um, in these boutiques more than ever before, uh, since obviously department stores have also been uh, having their own difficulties. Um, so for us, it's not just about the boutiques, it's um, directly almost um, also about the brands. 500 brands are selling on the platform as well. Um, we thought from a consumer perspective, it was clearer if we said hashtag support boutiques, but the way we see it is hashtag support small fashion businesses and, and you know, all that ecosystem that goes around that. You know, Jose, you know, we've been talking to a lot of brands in the market over the last few months and obviously you know directly or indirectly they're all present on farfetch but 
one of the concerns that many of them have is uh, discounting. And, you know, right now in the market, you know, you know, rightly or wrongly, Farfetch is seen as one of the players in the market that's doing a lot of discounting. And so while you're giving exposure to some of these brands, some of them are also worried that, you know, the heavy discounting that we see in order to clear inventory, obviously that's been accumulating uh, over this period is doing damage to their brands over the long term. And, you know, some of them are saying they don't want to be on Farfetch anymore. How do you respond to, to, to the brands who are, who are uncomfortable with the, the level of discounting that you're putting into the platform right now? I'm glad you, you asked the question um, because I think that there is a level of um, uh, work we have to do in terms of educating the industry, not, not necessarily the consumer, but the industry, uh, on the nature of the business model. So we do not set prices. Um, where we do set prices, uh, which is uh, Brown's hour, which is 10% of the business. So 90% is marketplace and 10% is, is the Brown's business. Brown's actually went down the route of zero discounts. So you will not find, even today, you go on brownsfashion.com, you go on the Brown stores, we're not zero. Um, and I say today because we're in July and every, everyone's obviously on markdown. Um, uh, where, where we do not control the prices, which is 90% of our business, uh, legally, we really um, have no, um, no interference, we have no, uh, no power to tell people to discount or not to discount. Um, and of course, we, we are in the luxury industry. We're in the, I come from this industry. I, I'm from the days um, I started my brand, shoe brand, in 1996. I, I remember sales were um, after Christmas, Boxing Day, right? So that's completely unthinkable to have anything before. Um, and, 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 uh, and also, you know, we work with mostly a big percentage, more than, than half of our supply is European, it's French, Italian, um, and they don't have a discount culture because um, in these markets it's even illegal to discount in, in France and Italy before certain dates, which I think is great. Um, so I, I think, you know, uh, of course, when retailers build up inventory, there is going to be an incentive to discount. And where, when discounts are pervasive to the whole industry, um, of course, those retailers are losing competitivity and, and they tend to follow. And, uh, and of course, we see that, that behavior on, on the platform. And, and then it's an exercise of liaising with the brands, liaising with retailers to the extent we can, obviously, as a marketplace. Um, in order to, to keep those, those channels of communication flowing. The brands, you've, you've, you mentioned the brands, the brands are joining uh, Farfetch en masse. Um, we, we had more brands joining the platform in the last, um, not even COVID, in the, in the last three quarters, four quarters than, uh, than any time before. Um, we have 100% brand retention um, of the top 100 brands, but if it's the top 200, top 300, I think it's very, it's 99.7%. So we, we essentially uh, don't lose brands. Um, and, uh, and that's a result of being really close to them and listening to them and, and servicing them as, as, uh, as sellers on the platform. Um, we are also having new brands, new brands that um, until today, they were still uh, thinking about online, that they were still thinking about a, a marketplace, a platform environment. Uh, and that have accelerated conversations with us. And, um, 
And the same thing with the department stores, which is another segment that we um, uh, that, that we are um, expanding to. So we've launched um, Harrods on their own uh, platform powered by us, the Harrods.com uh, website. Uh, we, that was a global launch. It happened in February, which was very timely, uh, as we were able to support them in this uh, very difficult period. So overall, um, we we keep this dialogue and we keep this um, job, which is our job of educating uh, the industry on our model and how it works. What can we do? What 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 we cannot do? Um, uh, but overall, I think I see um, brand relationships as stronger than ever before. And I actually am very, very pleased that um, some forecasts, some people estimated, and we were worried, frankly, that Q2 was going to be a, a very heavy discounting quarter um, these last few months. Uh, and we haven't seen that. So both from department stores, e-tailers, um, and, and that, that has been great, which, which has mean the, there was less, much less pressure on, on, on the retailers that are on our platform to follow these, these promotional activities. Um, so we've, we, we, uh, that translates in higher margins for us as well. So we have a margin um, that is uh, higher year on year uh, compared with Q2 last year, where there was uh, a lot of promotional activity. Uh, so we see uh, the situation improving uh, greatly actually through this period, which is something that uh, we were uh, worried about, but it's, it's not happening, which is good news. Yeah, as we look ahead to Q3, um, it seems like a lot of people are expecting the discounting to increase further. So have you got any visibility now on how some of this you know, excessive discounting activity might play out in the coming months? Because you're right, I think a lot of people are really worried about aggressive discounting. And it sounds like a lot of, you know, at least in the conversations I've been having, a lot of people were pointing at Farfetch and maybe... You know, there's some work to do in explaining how 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 it works, and in, in so far as you say, you don't have control over the prices. But you know, no matter what, as you look ahead to Q3, and and you know, some of this inventory still needs to be cleared because, understandably, there's still a lot there. What what are you expecting to happen now? Um, look, I think you know. So we we have two types of sellers in the marketplace. So we have the brands selling directly on the mar marketplace. Um, we have 500 brands at the, at the moment. Um, we have um, almost all the brands in the Caring Group, Gucci, Balenciaga, Saint Laurent. We have many um, from LVMH, Fendi, uh, Pucci, many others. We have obviously Burberry, Prada. Um, and it's it's then 500 of them. So we have also uh, many uh, really high quality, incredible um, uh, up and coming uh, designers. Uh, for those sellers, they completely set the prices. Again, we're a marketplace. Uh, many of them opt to do zero discounts on Farfetch, which we're absolutely fine with. There's never pressure on us for a brand to to be competitive or this or that. It's it's completely up to them. And and we have many that use Farfetch as an exclusive. Um, uh, full price um, and others most many of them have you know 85 percent um, full price uh, ratios on the platform which which at, at retail comparables it's it's incredible uh, then we have the retailers right and the retailers do have the pressure in terms of stock that that has built up 
Um, I think, you know, I'm not too worried about spring summer 20 because we are now in what is always, you know, the full on, you know, clearance, not clearance, but, but discount season and leading to the clearance in, in a few weeks time. So I think what, what had to happen already happened in spring summer 20. So what we're looking now is, is, is out of winter 20, um, which is starting extremely, extremely strong and obviously full price because it, it's the beginning of the season. And, um, and I think because of uh, COVID-19, the level of inventories for autumn winter is lower. There will be less pressure. So I think we've seen the, the there's, you know, spring, summer, it is what it is. It wasn't as bad as, as we feared. Um, autumn, winter is a completely new season. And, and, and what I see is, is very strong health in terms of the sell throughs on our platform for, for autumn, winter 20. And I, we see levels of supply which are much more balanced. Um, and we know that department stores have canceled a bunch of orders. Um, um, we know retailers have canceled a bunch of orders. So, so I think the level of supply is going to, is going to be much, much um, healthier, which is good news for the industry. I do think the industry had an oversupply uh, problem, uh, which is an environmental problem as well. By the way, we're doing terms of, of really powerful things on the sustainability side, which maybe we we'll get, we'll get to that talk about. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, the, we, we, I think on the side of pricing and pricing discipline, I think we're clear. Uh, we're, we're, as an industry, I think we're, we're now facing a much more disciplined, healthy environment um, going forward. And, and so that's good to hear because I think, as you said, there's been kind of a lack of discipline around discounting that, you know, you know, frankly, not good for anybody uh, in the ecosystem. But what does that mean for Farfetch specifically and your path to profitability? So, you know, 25 to 30% growth at a time when most of the market has been contracting. Um, you know, what are you now telling the market with regards to your timing to hit uh, profitability so that you no longer have to take um, outside financing? Um, yeah, so we're, we're very confident that profitability is in sight. Um, we've, uh, we've told the markets it's a 2021 uh, objective that we're committed to. Um, and we're faring very, very well, um, as we indicated. You're still on track for that? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and has, as, as we indicated, well, Q1, we were beating guidance, both top line and bottom line on the profitability level. Um, and Q2, the indications we gave the market were also better than guidance. So, which means we're essentially accelerating. So that path, that path to profitability in 2021 is uh, is accelerating as per our market updates. But um, yeah, I think we've, the team has executed incredibly well in terms of margins, in terms of uh, leveraging the, the fixed cost base, the investments. Um, we have invested deliberately, you know, with building we have 400 people in, in China, we have an office in Tokyo, we have an office in Dubai, um, uh, we have an office in Moscow, we have an office in Sao Paulo, we have offices in the US. Building a global business that operates in 15 languages, you know, 190 countries, 50 countries from the supply side is expensive. And we, we have deliberately invested in this. Um, and that hits the, the P&L immediately. This is not like a, a shop that you amortize over X number of years. This is like hits the PNL immediately, but this is our upfront investments that we are um, 
that are paying off in spades and and the the resilience of the model um has has proven that investing in this um international expansion and this in this platform capabilities was the right thing to do have you had to make any adjustments to your cost structure in this period it sounds like you know you're investing a lot and the business is growing has there been any reduction in cost where you thought given this environment maybe we're gonna you know slow down some of our investment i know for example farfetch has traditionally spent a lot of money on customer acquisition um which you know i i understand over years you know can become very very expensive how, you know where if any are you doing cost reductions um so we um so we took a decision to not furlough anyone including our retail employees and we have retail shops we have the browns we have stadium goods we have ngg off white and other uh, and other shops uh, which have been closed uh, for you know pretty long time and we've decided not to furlough anyone um uh, at all in the business and and obviously not to resort to any of the government uh, instruments um in europe or or the us so we haven't um, really resorted to any governmental help uh, i do feel that we need to leave that to um smaller businesses and 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 bigger businesses even if unprofitable like ours should have that responsibility we have access to finance that that those businesses don't have um we have um uh, phased um, out some investments um in in Q1 and Q2 um, but we haven't lost sight of our mission and the mission is to build the global platform for luxury uh, and this is an industry that is in, in its infancy it's a 300 billion dollar industry less now because it's contracting but still a very very large industry and online is 12% of sales so 88% is still conducted in physical stores um if you think china is now a 70 billion dollar repatriation opportunity 70 billion dollars was spent by chinese while traveling they're not traveling now and and to the extent that spending remains it will have to be in the in domestic uh, purchases which in turn will have to be primarily digital uh, because even even the you have you know even the large conglomerates um they 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 cannot cover the 600 cities that that china has with with millions of uh, of of inhabitants so so online is is the only way you can service the sophisticated chinese customer that really wants the european the american supply that we're used to to find they want that range they want that that and range of brands as well because we're not talking only about the big brands and that won't be serviced by the physical uh, networks in in china so and all of this demands investment so we're not taking the the, the foot off the pedal uh, we did phase some of the investments out as we uh, we told the markets um that is um, helping us accelerate the path of stability um but we're not going to compromise future growth uh, for short term rationalization cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. That makes sense. Um, I'm I'm keen to understand. Then, you know, you you used twelve percent of luxury sales are online now, and everyone's been talking about, you know, coronavirus as a kind of great accelerator. And you know, maybe even in the period that we've just concluded, the you know second quarter of 2020. I mean, online sales and luxury must have been well north of 50% of the consumption, albeit smaller consumption. You know, do you think that this is going to accelerate the path towards this kind of 25, 30% of sales in the luxury sector being online? And how quickly do you think we could get there? Um, I do think it will accelerate. Um, if, you, if you look at you know, the contraction of the industry in Q2, which we still don't know where it, it will end, but it will be a pretty severe contraction compared with 25% growth for us, for example, but I'm sure other digital platforms are, are seeing growth as well. Um, on, on actually a very difficult comp because last year we had grown 49% um, in Q2. So we, we, we were not expecting, you know, this, this level of growth, especially through this uh, crisis. So I think there is a lot of customers uh, that are trying um, to, to buy, that are buying online luxury for the, the first time. We, we have more new customers uh, in Q1 and Q2 than uh, uh, at any point in our 
recent history, the past three years, you have to go back more than three years to have the same amount of new customers um, trying the platform. Um, and because of our service levels, uh, we know retention is very, very high. Uh, they're being well serviced, they're very happy. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people just didn't think of buying luxury online as, as, a, as an option. And now they're trying, they're liking it. Um, and I think it's not, it's just an acceleration of what already was going to happen. Um, and I do think that 30%, which um, the McKinsey's and the Bain's um, used to, uh, to, to put in 2025, um, it was 25% by 2025. They've now updated this, it's 30% by 2025. And I do believe in that, um, if not faster and if not a bigger share. Uh, so, and that's why we will keep investing and we will keep um, attracting new brands, uh, attracting new department stores, uh, to make sure our range um, uh, is, is, um, is, continues to be attractive to this growing customer base. Um, and, uh, and we think this is a tremendous opportunity for, for everyone in the industry, for, for, for brands, boutiques, um, and, and retailers. Yeah. So in the online space in particular, then, is this, is this a matter of the kind of proverbial rising tide that raises all boats then? So, you know, how do you think you know, the growth of Farfetch uh, will compare to your closest competitors like YNAP and Matches Fashion. And, you know, what, what, makes, what makes Farfetch different now? Because in the consumer's eyes, especially in a, an environment where everyone is price conscious, um, everyone's being much more, you know, considered about what they buy, you know, what, what, how does Farfetch carve out a differentiation in this market that's growing quickly? Um, I think, you know, um, uh, we're not really focused on, on what those businesses are doing in terms of performance. It is what it is. Um, um, we, we, uh, we, don't, we don't think there are uh, public numbers yet, but um, I think we're focused on, on our business and what we can control. And what we can control is providing an unrivaled range to our um, customers. We have 3,400 designers represented on the platform. Um, we have um, around 300 SKUs uh, represented on the platform. Uh, we want to photograph them beautifully. We want to create great content in 15 languages. We want to service customers with 90 minutes delivery in, um, in almost 10 cities, um, same day delivery in almost 20 cities, which is completely unrivaled. Um, and, and it's, you know, completely, on the global omnichannel experience that we're, we're providing. Um, we're making advances on sustainability, for example, we've launched, and this is an example of where we continue to invest. So we've invested in offsetting um, the carbon footprint of all our deliveries. So all deliveries and returns on Farfetch um, are 100% carbon offset. And uh, this is an investment, obviously financial investment, but also an operational and um, and data-driven investment that we pushed through and we launched in April. Uh, we're investing in the circular economy as well. We, we, uh, we have a, a product called Second Life where customers can uh, send their handbags to us to get immediate credit from Farfetch. Uh, we have a second, um, a pre-owned um, business that is growing very, very fast. Uh, so, so we're, we're investing in, in many, many fronts on, on the sustainability side because we think that is important for this new 
uh, customer and this and we are already thought I think again this is an acceleration this is not new we've been investing in sustainability for a number of years now uh, but we think consumers will be more conscious today we have an unrivaled range um, of 160 conscious brands uh, you can shop them by using a filter on Farfetch if you want to stick to um, to, to, to that uh, part of our edit uh, so making it easier for customers that that um, that are more conscious shoppers these days uh, to find products that, that they want to buy. Um, and, and, we, and, and we continue to focus also on the creativity side of the business, focusing on exclusives, um, on capsules, on launches. Uh, we've, um, Burberry just announced uh, they're going to, 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 to launch the new monogram uh, range um, exclusively on Firefetch as their exclusive online partner, which is which is fantastic. They would have been fantastic partners of, of our business. Um, so so really, you know, um, moving on all these fronts on sustainability, on creativity, um, on service levels, on you know uh, flexible deliveries. If you want them ultra fast, ultra fast. Um, if you want them, if you don't mind, slower, environmentally more friendly. And, and cheaper uh, uh, as a consumer. So, um, so all of these fronts are important. The loyalty program is another example. Access, we have now 1.5 million uh, members of our loyalty program, um, we, which is a phenomenal result since we, we launched one year ago. Uh, so moving on all these fronts is, um, is the focus for us. I wanted to touch on the sustainability point um, for a second because, and I have two questions. The first is, in a way, I mean, I know when I've ordered a multi-product order from Farfetch, it comes from different places, right? So inherently in your model, I, I could place an order for five things, and those five things might come from five different parts of the world, depending on what I've chosen. And instead of a single package that's delivered, you know, once, and it seems like there's a potential for a lot of streamlining there i mean have you thought about how you might simplify that because even even from a customer journey perspective say i ordered those five things and i decided i didn't want any of those five things then those five things then have to be returned to five different places again like how can how can that be better um so first of all those deliveries are carbon offset as i said um, but that's not good enough we want to, to have less deliveries and less miles um, the, the way the algorithm and the way our business model works is that if there is an alternative, if you're trying to buy a pair of sneakers and they exist in London, that's where it's going to come from. And if you want to buy a pair of sneakers and a t-shirt, and if they exist from the same boutique or from the same brand or from the same fulfillment center, the, the, that's where we will ship it from. And this is thinking about the environment, but thinking, quite frankly, even about our cost base, right? Because it's much cheaper to put everything in a box and to send two boxes. Um, and, and from a customer experience, it's better to receive one box and two boxes. Now, there's a trade-off, because if you want to have 3,400 designers, we have designers that, that um, we source from Tokyo. They're only available in Tokyo, that's it. You know, like, we have designers that we source from Brazil, like Austin, for example, which I love. So. Um, that's it. So, uh, and, 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 and we have small designers that have their studios in Milan and they're shipping from their studios. They don't even have a physical store. If we want to make this range available, which we think we should, uh, that has a, a trade-off. And the trade-off is you will get more than one box. So that's, that's how we're balancing it. 
Uh, but there's a lot of work to do. Um, obviously, fulfillment by Farfetch, uh, we're incentivizing the retailers and the brands to use our localized fulfillment centers. We have one in LA, one in New York, one in Hong Kong, one in Shanghai, and uh, two in Europe as well, London and, and Italy. Um, so we're telling them, listen, 30% of your sales go to Asia anyway. Why do you have everything in France, right? So let's move 30% of that. We have data that shows exactly the skews with a good degree of approximation that you should have in Asia. Um, and so that's what we're doing. And so fast forward a few years, I think you will have uh, a fraction of the number of, uh, of boxes that, that you get. And that's, that's something that we're really uh, committed to, again, from a sustainability, but also from a customer experience and cost uh, levels. That makes sense. The other thing that I wanted to touch on sustainability-wise, um, I don't know if you saw what Zalando has said, but you know, they recently made an announcement that there would be minimum benchmarks for the, the brands that they actually stock from a sustainability perspective. I mean, that's quite a bold move because you know, there could be lots of great brands out there that are just not operating at all in a sustainable manner, either because of the materials they use or the amount of water or energy they consume. Would you ever consider you know, taking a step like that and saying, okay, you know, we are the mo one of the most powerful platforms uh, in this industry. And if we, you know, set some, because there's no global regulations in our industry, right? I mean, I've, it's something I've, we've been thinking a lot about at BOF, which is like one way to get this industry, which is inherently unsustainable, is to have some kind of regulation. But, it, you know, a, a proxy for that could be Farfetch saying, okay, you know, if you want to be on this platform, you need to meet these minimum basic requirements um that we believe will make you more sustainable uh so we we are working on our long-term sustainability commitments uh, watch the space i think we will we will be able to communicate um uh in the very near future um we, and we we thought about uh about the issue of rating brands and rating products um and and also the the how could we leverage the power of the platform to influence the industry and be a positive force in the in the right direction um some things we have already done so we've partnered with um our accelerator alumni um uh, good on you it's an australian startup and, and they have an amazing very comprehensive very solid system to uh, rate brands and within brands rate products so we've partnered with them. So if, if you go on Farfetch and if you click on um, Positively Conscious, the, the Conscious Edit, um, it's powered by Good on You. So it's not even our data. We, we use very strong, very solid data combined with our data that, that really delivers that, that option. As a customer, you can influence the industry in a, in, in a very concrete way. Um, going a, a step further so we have other other um you know commitments in terms and, and standards in terms of sustainability no fur policy um etc i think then our our and, and this i am very passionate about we should not point fingers and we should be uh, educational in our efforts when i say we i believe farfetch but i also think other platforms and other retailers it shouldn't be about either this or right especially if we're a platform, right? Because we're a platform for the entire creative community. As, as you said, we have designers that just came out of graduate school. And to ask a designer to rate there, to fill hundreds of pages of, you know, like go all the way to where the Italian factory, where they 
got a great favor and they produced the 20 pieces that they that are going to keep their business alive are we going to burden those businesses with a lot of ratings and bureaucracy and all it's it's a fine line and so i do believe that platforms have a responsibility to in a strong way incentivize customers to shop consciously by doing that you create an incentive for brands to have to be more conscious or to be totally um, ethical and conscious and sustainable if they can but we need to stop short of forcing people to um, either or because we we, we support again 3400 designers many of them as, as you know um it, it's a matter of survival they and and, and you know uh, of course there, there are certain standards that are absolutely non-negotiable in terms of um ethical behavior and sourcing etc but Fortunately, we, we are in an industry where most of the production is done in, in Europe uh, and where the governments themselves have very strong regulations. So we, um, it's an industry where that problem is less pervasive than, than parts of the industry that produce in, in uh, Southeast Asia. Um, but, you know, we, we have a responsibility, but I, I think it should be a positive force um, uh, and, and, and should be designed in a way that we can help the community, we can educate the community, we can help the consumer, and by doing that, be a very assertive, but in a, in a positive way, as opposed to, to a negative way, if that makes sense. Well, you may find, and I certainly do, that when you talk to the really small businesses and the, the new businesses, they're sometimes the most advanced in terms of thinking about building sustainability and responsibility into their businesses from scratch but but i take your point that you know you you don't want you don't want to penalize um really small businesses that are you know frankly trying to survive right now um before i open it up to questions i, I did want to touch on one other topic which is really around your m a strategy um you know you as you mentioned earlier you know there was stadium goods and new guards group <clears throat> and you know very honestly speaking, I think when the New Guards Group announcement was made, um, it wasn't received particularly well by the markets because it was seen as a real, um, you know, deviation from the very, very clear focus, Jose, that you've always had about Farfetch as this marketplace and you know, you know, powering the fashion industry, and all of a sudden. There you guys were acquiring, by the way, a very strong and profitable business um, run by a very capable entrepreneur, uh, Davide Di Giglio, but a completely different business model. And so how, how, are, you, how are you trying to reconcile? Um, how are you trying to reconcile that now? Because you know, clearly, you know, it's been accretive to your profits from what I've read, but also it's it's not particularly in line with the model that you first sold to the market? Um, you know, I, it's a great question. And, and the question I, I was asked, I think, 500 times by analysts and investors in the, in the past nine months. Um, and I, I do understand the, 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 the reaction and the questions. Um, um, I think that the first thing to, to realize is what type, what, what is NGG? And, and the way I see it, and actually the way you brilliantly chronicled it in an interview with Davide, uh, who's, I completely agree, an amazing engineer, together with Andrea and the, and the rest of the team, um, they're a platform. And this is before even Farfetch was talking to them. And they see themselves 
as a platform. They have a, um, a, a, a common infrastructure in terms of design, in terms of the sales, the marketing, the, the showrooms, sometimes individual showrooms, but powered by the same back office team, same industrial um, platform team. Um, and so for me, it's like their pizza. And yes, they have Toy Stories, which is fantastic, and Monsters Inc. And now they're on to the next one, and then to the next one. And and for me, it's really about original content and this idea um, that I firmly believe in that consumer-facing platforms such as Farfetch sooner or later needs to have an element of original content. And I think the best analogies is Netflix, right? So Netflix started aggregating an industry. Um, and at the point, there was an inflection point in their, in their journey where they said, if we continue to be just an aggregator of content that everyone else has, this, this is going to be difficult in terms of margin, but in terms of customer acquisition, in terms of retention, and building a brand. So how do we build a brand? Um, and obviously, that inflection point was very brave. No one liked it uh, at the time. Uh, it consumes much more capital than, than in the fashion industry, because obviously, um, entertainment, you have upfront costs, uh, creation of content, etc. But it created the, the, you know, the, the 100 billion plus company we know today. I don't think they would be around if they were still a standardized platform. You have another, another example, Spotify. Um, they've invested um, hundreds of millions or maybe billions by now of dollars buying and creating podcasts. And everyone asked Daniel, so like, you are crazy. You have this brilliant business. You're aggregate. You finally convinced the music, the music industry to be on your platform. You're killing it. Uh, and winning against Apple. So wh why are you in this podcast business? And it's very, 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 very simple. They cannot differentiate themselves in the music industry. It's just not the way it works. So what, what do you listen to that can be really differentiated? And that's podcasts and content. That's one way of differentiating. Um, so you see consumer brands that start as aggregator platforms at the point moving to, uh, to become partially creators of content themselves. And that's the way we see NGG. And, um, uh, and you know, it won't be, uh, you know, by the scale of the Farfetch business. I mean, we, we ended the year on the digital side, on the, the car business with close to $2 billion in net sales. So the NGG is big, but it's relatively small, right? Especially on the digital front. Um, so it will, it continues to be a 90% third-party marketplace and that's where the market got it wrong because they thought oh suddenly they're going to completely change model no it's the same model but we're enriching it with an element of original content uh, and you know almost one year on i'm so happy we did that acquisition we knew it was going to be challenged and we knew probably the stock price would, would tank but that's okay we're, we're running this business for for the next 20 30 years um and uh, and this has been extraordinarily positive for the designers are very happy um, the NGG team is super happy. They, they're fastly increasing their, their digital capabilities, which again proved instrumental uh, during this crisis. Uh, we're, we're servicing uh, as a platform for new creatives and, and also brands that are uh, still small, like Opening Ceremony, Ambush, which we welcome to, the, to that umbrella uh, in the beginning of the year. But we think they have a ton, tons of potential. And if they have that Netflix, that digital distribution channel, that will accelerate these, these creatives um, in, in a substantial way. So, so for us, it's, it's really buying the studio and then creating original content to the benefit of the creative community mm. um, and to the benefit of consumers as well. Mm.
Well, I guess investors weren't really happy, Jose. Um, but how, how are they feeling about it now? I mean, you said you spent nine months or so answering really tough questions about this acquisition. I mean, are they buying into this? We're like Netflix narrative that you just, you know, laid out for us. Uh, well, my my duty is to humbly, respectfully update investors and explain the rationale to the extent we we can as a public company. Um, and, and and obviously we we do that a lot. Um, uh, and then they will make their own decisions, and we'll we'll see. Uh, but we I'm, I'm extremely happy with the integration and the execution. We've launched, uh, we've just launched opening ceremony, by the way, to all those uh, in the audience that that love the brand like like I do for many many years. It's very early days uh, when Carol and Umberto started it. Um, so we've just launched their their new website. Uh, we're giving digital capabilities to all of these designers, um, and and that has having a tremendous effect on uh, on on customer acquisition. Our biggest day ever on the platform uh, was the Nike Off White drop, um, the latest drop, the Air Jordan Fives, and we had 16 million hits per minute, uh, which was bigger than the the biggest day in in 2019 uh, with zero marketing expense. So there's a, there's an incredible magnet in terms of customer um acquisition and and traffic and, and and also then customer retention because the amount of things we can do with these brands which is to mutual benefit of brand and customer and and the platform um is is incredible so and and we think the you know eventually uh, the story will be understood i'm super grateful um for your really honest answers uh and for your um optimism um that you've given me about the rest of the year so let's let's see what happens Thank you. Thanks a lot, Imran. And uh, it was a great pleasure. Thanks to everyone asking questions and hope to see you soon. Yeah. So that's all for today. I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. That's it for BOF Live. Um, if you want to tune in for more live events next week, check out businessoffashion.com slash events. See you all later. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person, too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. <coughs> Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.